Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back goes reverse with a left hand. It was so weak. This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Up top, Curry won't fire, dribbles in to the paint. One-hander on the go. It's good. Kind of a flamingo-like shot there by Steph Curry. It's a great feeling, really, and their fans deserve it more than anybody in the world. I mean, these guys, all these fans, waited so long, and uh, they're tremendously loyal, and uh, I'm really happy for all of them. And that's how it counted down last night. The Golden State Warriors knocking off the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Utah had lost to Oklahoma City. Put those two games together, the magic number went to zero, and for the first time since the We Believe team in 2007, the Golden State Warriors are back in the NBA playoffs. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy. And once again, we invite you to take a seat around the Warriors Roundtable. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. What a great year it has been for Mark Jackson and his ball club. They pick up win number 45 on the season, jumping off to a great start. They survived a very tough month of February and have slowly but surely brought their level of play back up. Their defensive numbers are coming back, and, and as a result, it's a good time for the Warriors to start to play good basketball again. Now, they have four games left, and three of them very tough. Oklahoma City at the Lakers on the back end of a back-to-back, and then home for San Antonio as they try to hold off the Houston Rockets for the number six spot. And you'd like to do that because, you know, the numbers add up. You have Oklahoma City or San Antonio playing the seven or eight team in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs, and you know how good those teams are. So what are the Warriors thinking about as they head toward the postseason? That's one of the things Jim Barnett will talk about with Andrew Bogut. That's coming up in just a few minutes. We'll relive the clinching night of last night a little bit later on in the show. I'll answer some of your questions. I'll answer some of your questions on Warriors Vox. It's Warriors V-O-X on Twitter. Or you can email me at troy at warriors.com. That's T-R-O-Y-E at warriors.com. We try to get to as many as we can. And then Chris Ballard from Sports Illustrated, a Bay Area writer, will stop by and we'll talk NBA playoffs with him. It's all this hour on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And you might be able to tell that this time of year, uh, my allergies wreak havoc with my professional life. But... This evening, I just don't care. The Warriors are in the playoffs and looking forward to that. It's going to be so much fun to call postseason basketball for you, the best fans in the NBA. By the way, for information regarding Warriors playoff tickets, including pre-sale and on-sale dates and ways to secure tickets for all Warriors home playoff games, text PLAYOFFS to 53548. That's PLAYOFFS to 53548. Or call one triple eight GSW hoop and press one. Operators are standing by to assist you. When we come back, Jim Barnett sits down with Warriors Center and Drew Bogut. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR six eighty, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce cuts off and takes the hand off baseline to the rack, jammed it and one foul. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Golden State Warriors are offering summer basketball camp sessions for boys and girls ages 7 through 15 at several locations throughout the Bay Area, including the Warriors practice facility in downtown Oakland. Each session includes two tickets to a 2013-2014 Warriors home game. Online registration is available at warriors.com camps. 
I, Tim Roy, and the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Golden State back in the postseason, and they get ready for Oklahoma City tomorrow night. But the upcoming playoffs and year one in a Warriors uniform, two topics that Warriors television analyst Jim Barnett will get to in his conversation with Warriors center Andrew Bogut. Andrew, first of all, congratulations for making the playoffs with this club. Uh, how does it feel to share that with your teammates after last night's victory? That's oh, good. It's a, it's a great step for us. Obviously, the franchise hasn't had a lot of success in the last 20 years, um, only a couple of playoff appearances. So it's good for us to, to get back to the playoffs and give the fans some, some excitement. Yeah, only the second playoff appearance in the last 19 years. This will be the second time for you in the playoffs. You actually made the playoffs with the Milwaukee Bucks in your rookie year losing to Detroit in five games, but what do you remember about the playoffs in your rookie year against the we'll play, uh, Detroit Pistons? Well, played my rookie year, and then I still like to think I was part of the, the 2009-2010 team. I missed, you know, broke my elbow with like five or ten games left, but we went to the playoffs, so um, I've had two playoff experiences. Um, you know, 2009-2010, we had a chance to, to win the series, we up 3-2, going, going back home for game six, and we let it get away and lost. Um, in my rookie year, we ran into into the D- Detroit juggernaut back in the day when they had um, you know both Wallaces and and Rip and, and Tayshon. It's just a different game, I think. Um, you know, you, you really got to run your stuff efficiently. Um, teams scout you to a T, and it's not as easy as it is, as it is in, the, in the regular season. I don't know whether you're aware of this or whether you think about this, but the playoff position this year to put them into that position, you had a tremendous influence. I, I personally do not think they would make the playoffs without you uh, and your defense. Now, I know you've only played 30 games as of last night, but how does it feel to have been able to contribute, particularly the way the season started out and you had to take some time off to get ready, to, to have a, a, a personal impact that you had, particularly defensively and rebounding for this club? Um, it's, been, it's been tough, obviously. Um, my offensive numbers are poor, but like you said, I'm trying to, trying to block shots to take the paint. Uh, make sure that I'm grabbing the rebounds, and I think um, you know I made that impact. You know, a lot of people just look at look at points, and I think that's how you how you judge a good game or a bad game. But for the most part, I feel like you know defensively, I've helped this team as much as I can, and the offense will, will, will take its time. With players with the capability of scoring, like Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, David Lee, so your strength really comes in to where you're best suited, and that would be defense and rebounding and closing off the middle. Yeah, it is. It is to an extent, but as a, as a player, you obviously want to get better and, um, you know, you definitely want to have some, some, some strength offensively. You know, I don't want to be a, a guy that's out there and is just a defense, defensive rebounder and a defensive player when I know I'm, I'm better than that, but i got to be patient with it. Um, it's probably something I'll get back in the offseason, but like, like I said, I mean, I'm helping the team, rebounding and blocking shots, and the rest i got to be patient with. This is your eighth year in the league. David Lee also. Never, he's never been to the playoffs. You have. Steph Curry's never been to the playoffs. Most of these players haven't. Is there anything that you will tell them before the first round series with whomever it is? Um, what kind of communication will you give to them about how it's different? Um, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's just towards them. I think you know the guys that have been in the playoffs know you have to run, run everything full speed, all your sets, you can't take shortcuts, you've got to be really switched on defensively um, and you know if you don't do those things in a seven game series you know teams are going to sniff you out early and just you know destroy you so um, I think it's a, a much more committed scouting report, um, guys really need to do their homework and come in and play hard 
I think it was interesting, and as you guys pulled together, I know this team is very, very close, but everybody decided to not shave and grow a mustache, beard, whatever, until you made the playoffs. And now today at practice, most of the players have shaved off that. But it wasn't hard for you because you already had the beard. Yeah. Um, I mean, mine's, mine's not too bad. A lot of guys complain about being itchy and whatnot, but um, I've had a okay with mine, so keep it rolling. Today after practice, uh, the rookie, Kent Bazemore, uh, you, the team played a little practical joke. Could you tell us what that was about? Yeah, we, we threw this car with popcorn to the roof. Um, nothing personal, but, you know, the rookie's... Uh, a couple of the veterans felt like he was he was being a little bit smart with the mouth and and wasn't really uh, you know performing his rookie duties as he should and it's a it's just a warning shot I guess you know he's not too happy about it now but like I said it's not personal it's just a wake up call to know you're still a rookie we're going to the playoffs and you're still a rookie and until to the first game of next season you're still a rookie so um, yeah he's going to have a, a pretty big cleaning bill for that car. Would um, this was planned for some time, but obviously you waited for the timing to make sure yeah. to, at, when the playoffs were secured. Exactly. I mean, you, you know, we, we, you don't want to do it after a loss neither. So we won yesterday, secured a playoff spot. Everyone's feeling good. Just want to remind him, you know, that uh, he's still a rookie. As I mentioned before, this is only, last night was only your 30th game. We've got four more games left in the season in the playoffs. Are you getting stronger and, and in better shape uh, as each week passes? I think so, yeah. My, my conditioning is getting much better. Um, you know, the ankle is still, still has its good days and bad days, um, but I feel much better, you know, as, as time has progressed, and hopefully I can carry that on into the playoffs. As I said, I'm not, I'm not worried about your offense. I don't think anybody else is either because you don't take a lot of shots, and you, it seems like you're content not to take a lot of shots. Do you ever get frustrated when uh, possibly you have a good low block position and you're not getting the ball? Of course you do. That's, that's a part of the game. Um, I know right now I don't have the legs to, to be a consistent offensive force, and that's something I've kind of adapted to this season. But you know, come come off season, come next season, you know, I, I, I will be expecting to get touches and, and and be you know be an offensive force like I was you know before the injury. But right now we're winning. I'm not going to come in here and disrupt things and try to try to ask for the ball. And like you said, we've got Clay Thompson playing playing well, Steph, David Lee's an all star, and um, there's no need to go out there and, and, and demand the ball right now when those guys are playing so well. When you started this season. You knew you were playing in pain. You weren't playing up to your capability. So you took yourself out. Was there any doubt in your mind that you may not be able to come back? Because that was a severe injury that you had. Yeah, there's still doubt. You know, there's still doubt in my mind. And that's something I've got to work through in the off-season. You know, I still have doubts, you know, about the way I'm moving and the way I'm playing. And, you know, some days, you know, to be honest, it's hard to get out of bed with with the ankles. So I'm trying to push through it. Um, Like I said, making the playoffs and having a winning season definitely helps. But that's something I've got to commit to in the off-season to try and get better and stronger. So is it safe to assume that you've been, every day, you play in pain? I'm not going to go out and really say that, but, you know, there's, there's, there's good days and bad days. But if, if you're out on the court in the NBA, you're 100%. There's no point trying, trying to tell people that you're not, you're not, you're not feeling well. But, um, like I said, it's something I'll address in the off-season and try to get myself back to 100%. Do you take uh, specific care of that particular ankle, icing it, make sure yeah. you do all different things I mean, properly? You know, it's, it gets to the point where I don't go out. You know, I don't go out for dinner, or I don't go, um, I don't go, you know, go and do things that I usually like doing because I try to stay off my ankles. So, a lot of people think, you know, basketball players practice in the morning, they've got the whole day to, to, to piss around, and do what they want, and enjoy their life. But right now, for me, it's more important to stay off my ankle and, and do the do the extra things away from the floor. So, you know, when game time comes, I'm ready. We talk about all the frustrations, and I hear that in in the way you're talking because you have you don't accept 
mediocrity to me. I mean, you've been a great player in this league. You have high expectations. Has there been joy this year at all? Besides, or is it just culminated now by making the playoffs? Is that yeah, I think, the biggest I joy? think from a team concept, the, 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 the best thing you can do is make the playoffs. From an individual concept, the way I've played, no. I don't feel like I've had one game this year that, that can show you know, what, what, I'm, what I'm really capable of. Um, but like I said, you know, the individual accolades you put behind, behind you, um, especially if, you, if you're making the playoffs. And we're, we're in a winning season right now. We're, we're, we're going to be in a playoff series. The Warriors have no idea whom they will be facing in the playoffs, but you, as the anchor in the middle, it's going to be very significant. And whether it be against Marc Gasol uh, in, in uh, Memphis. But I'm looking back at last night's game. Nikola Pekovic came in. He was the reigning Western Conference Player of the Week. Over the last seven games, he'd averaged 23 points, 11 rebounds. You just shut him down last night. He was two for eight from the field. He had five points. Um, were you aware of what he had been doing, and how, to, how were you able to accomplish that? Yeah, we were aware. He's, 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 a, he's a beast. He's a big body, and he's physical. And I knew that you know if he gets 20 and 10, they're going to win. You know, so um, I try to make it a mindset. And as a team, we did a good job of, of making sure he's not getting easy baskets, um, knowing the scouting report of what he likes to do, and I try to make him go away from that. And um, he, he obviously had a bad night, but um, you know it's a good team effort on our part, and I think an important step for us to, to, to get to the playoffs. Are you verbal with your teammates, like uh, pr- particularly the perimeter players, and say, "Hey, I've got you covered. I'm in here." Do you give them? that kind of confidence verbally at all or you just do it by the way you play no I think you got to talk as a big fella you, you know you're behind behind the perimeter guys all the time so you're kind of like you, in a way a quarterback you can see everything going on so I, I have to be vocal otherwise you know Steph Curry's going to get lit up by a screen that he doesn't see or, or whatnot so I think as a big you have to you have to kind of talk and I kind of make sure I'm doing that all the time is there any particular team and I know the media does this all the time and you as a player uh, and your team as a group do you talk about whom you might play, who'd you rather play? Are you not worried about it and you're confident you can play anybody in that first round? Yeah, I don't think we're thinking about it right now. We're not in a position to, to, to pick and choose who we match up better with or who we'd like. Uh, we just need to get our, you know, get our wins rolling, go into the playoffs, go into some good form. Hopefully that keeps us in the sixth seed and whoever we match up against, we match up against. Um, I think when teams get in trouble is they, they start trying to mess with fate and try to you know, we want to match up against this team, so we'll drop this game or whatever. You never want to do that. So I think we just get, we just keep winning, win out the season, and see how we go. Well, Andrew, uh, it's nice to see you get bigger, stronger, play better, more effectively. And I want to thank you for visiting on Warriors Weekly Roundtable. No worries. Thanks. That's Jim Barnett with Andrew Bogut. Jim will join me tomorrow night on the radio side, radio only tomorrow night, as the Warriors take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Look forward to that game. Always a great time when the Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook are in town. 7 o'clock the start time on KMBR 680. Warriors and Thunder brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. When we come back on the weekly roundtable, we'll relive last night's clinching night as the Golden State Warriors knocked off the Minnesota Timberwolves. Chris Ballard of Sports Illustrated coming up later on in the hour on KMBR 680, the sports leader. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
On Sunday night when the Warriors welcomed the Utah Jazz, the slogan was win and they're in, as Golden State with a victory would have qualified for the postseason because the combination of a Warriors win and a Jazz loss would mean that the Jazz could not catch Golden State. However, the Utah Jazz, to their credit, fought very hard. It was a game they had to have. Give them credit, tip your hat. They beat the Warriors that night, and so Golden State had to move on to last night's game against Minnesota. They had to get some help, but Utah was entertaining the Oklahoma City Thunder. We all know how good they are, the defending Western Conference champions. So it was a very interesting night for the Warriors, trying to clinch, trying to get back to the postseason, but they would need some help. But as it turned out, it's a night we might look back on five and ten years from now and say that's the night when the Warriors' run in the postseason began. When the Warriors won to qualify for the postseason for the first time since the We Believe team of 2007 corner. There's Thompson. He'll fire. Three ball. White corner pocket for Clay Thompson. You know how tough a shot that is? He was behind the backboard when he let that one go. I mean, you, you don't have a lot of margin for error on that. Put in so much work this offseason. You know, this, this is one of our many goals. So it feels good to clinch. And um, especially for guys like David Lee, you know, Steph, all the vets, you know, playoffs. People think it's easy to get there, but it's not. You know, you got to have a great team especially in the West, which is a very loaded conference. And I'm, I'm spoiled right now. It's my second year starting here, already in the playoffs, so really going to embrace it. Jared Jack has it now with a chance to go two for one. Thompson nice. Landry goes in for the layup, got bumped by Steamsworth. Basket good and a foul. A lot of guys, first time they experience, you know, clinching a playoff spot, so you want to enjoy it, especially for, for Coach. This is his first go-around as well in the second year, so, you know, we understand this is a, a small step, but it is a huge accomplishment for a lot of guys in here. Uh, you know, D. Lee's been waiting eight years. Uh, it's my fourth year. Some of the rookies you know, coming in and have been winners on different levels, but to make the playoffs on the NBA level, it's, uh, it's a big deal. So we're just celebrating. Um, enjoy it. Tomorrow we go back to work. Up top, Curry won't fire. Dribbles in to the paint. One-hander on the go. It's good. Flamingo-like shot there by Steph Curry. You know, for you to get 15 guys in here in September dedicated, working hard, you know, trying to get in shape before preseason even started, I knew that this was a playoff team. And just, you know, to hear reporters and hear, you know, the, the media every day just, just bash us, you know, and, uh, you know, say that we couldn't make the playoffs. It was just fueled our fire. Curry over the top, pass to play top, to catch it, and just fire and oh. hit. Oh, my goodness. That was just purely sick. A three-point shot for Clay Thompson. It's definitely time for oven mitts. Oh, man. Are you kidding me with that shot? That was, it, that was <laughs> Come the on. heat check of all heat checks. We just came out, and it was a, it was a big game, and we just played the best for our ability. They're a, they're a team that continues to fight and uh, give them credit, but we turn it on the second half when we needed to. Thompson gets away a little bit of a bump on Shred, knocks down the jumper. Clay Thompson continues. He's hit his first nine shots. He has 25 points here in the first half, and we have 514 to go second quarter. It's absolutely incredible. This guy has the whole repertoire working at night. We have a tremendous group of guys and a great culture on this team, and a lot of that is Mark Jackson and his staff. They have really done a great job. Uh, they've molded this team. These guys are, they, they love playing for them. And, you know, you can sit and talk about this or that when you talk about coaching. And, but the truth is, players have to want to play for a coach, especially in the NBA, because you know, these guys don't make a lot of money. It's not college basketball. Uh, he gets the respect of them, and I think uh, he deserves a lot of credit. Bumped by Azili. Rotation pass right through the hands of Rednar. Picked up by Lee. The Barnes. Barnes with eight seconds. Step by a man and up the down. 
Joseph Barnes with a two-hand slam. Rubio drives in, bounce pass, Pekovic, pump fake is up, knocked away by Bogut, says get that out of here. Up top, Curry won't fire, dribbles in to the paint, one-hander, on the go, it's good. Kind of a flamingo-like shot there by Steph Curry. We seem to play well at home and the crowd gets you know, amped up and it gets another another level like during the regular season, but I know that the, the anxiety of the moment and knowing that uh, you know, each each possession, not just each game, each possession in the playoffs means something. Lee waits for traffic to get out of the way, doubled, rotates to Thompson. It's a three, splash, it down. Wow, I am shocked that Rittenauer came off of Clay Thompson to go double David Lee because Williams, Derek Williams, seemed to have him pretty well checked. Six three-point shots for Clay Thompson. He has 28 points. You know, there's some people that say, you know, tell Clay to stop shooting. He's a great shooter. He's a great, great shooter. And uh, he's going to make shots for us. And it was great to see him get it going and keep it going. You know, he kept us in the ball game in that first half with his offense and his shot making. Curry takes the rebound, accelerates down the left side, stops on the brakes, fires away, buries a three! 71-61 Warriors. It's a, a great, great accomplishment, and I'm just extremely humbled and blessed to be part of it. Hand off to Curry, behind the back dribble, sheds Rubio, takes a tap of the key, foul line jumper, around the down for Steph Curry! They rise as one at Oracle, and Rick Adelman wants a timeout. I'm not going to say let's give the standard line. This is a heck of an accomplishment. There's people in this area have been waiting for it for a long time. I see security guards high-fiving and smiling. I see concession stand workers high-fiving and smiling. I see some media folks high-fiving and smiling. It's been a long time. Tip rebound ends up in the hands of Steph Curry, and he accelerates. One on four, drives by Cunningham, left hand down, the lady banked it in. Wow. Wow. That was a tough shot. The Wolves were as surprised as I was that he was going to just take it one on yeah. four. and went right to the rim. He's got a 13-point quarter, 20-point game. It's what you play for, you know, to know that, I guess, percentage-wise, a better chance of making the playoffs than not. I mean, there's, there's more teams in the playoffs than they're going home after the uh at the end of the season to be able to taste that for the first time and you know we've heard great things about we, we know our fans um, bring every night but to know what it's going to be like when we have a host of home game in the playoffs we've heard you know what the 007 year was like and uh, we want to experience that you know, for our fans as well so you know, the veterans and I'm sure they can sleep well tonight knowing that they're going to get that opportunity uh, for the first time. Curry bounce pass to Jared Jack, who is unguarded for some reason, and he catches him for the 17-footer. He'll never be more wide open, and that's what he's supposed to do with it. Sometimes that's the worst thing to be, is that wide open. They start thinking, yeah, you're right, because you're usually not that wide open. It's just different. It's a different feeling. It's, it's a great feeling, and there's no better arena to do it than Arkham. For the first time in the six years, and for only the second time in 19 seasons, the Golden State State Warriors are back in the NBA playoffs. They knock off Minnesota 105 to 89 and pick up their 45th win of the season. Shoots over him. It's up a good. Harrison Barnes can feel it right now.
We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Well, the Warriors playoff push continues tomorrow night with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and the Oklahoma City Thunder come to town. It's the Warriors and the Thunder brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Tickets start at just $32, and limited tickets are still available. Go to warriors.com slash playoff push or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP and press 1. Operator standing by right now to assist you. Well, time now to answer your questions on Twitter at WarriorsVox, Warriors. V-O-X, or you can email me at uh, T-Roy at uh, Warriors.com. It's T-R-O-Y-E at uh, Warriors.com. But we'll start off with SF Warriors fan who wants to know what's the rallying slogan for this year's playoff run. Yellow We Believe t-shirts again. Uh, I don't think we'll see the We Believe. I think I think that slogan will be with that team. And, of course, that team was so different than this team. This team is a team that is built to last. And I, and I think it's a team that had more staying power. Remember, We Believe just was a meteor in 2006, 2007, uh, uh, flashing across the night sky. And, of course, the following year, they were very good. They won 48 games, best team ever not to get into the playoffs in, in NBA history, in my opinion. And so it was a two-year run for that team. I think this team is built for a, you know, a five-year run, a, a more than that. And so I think it's going to be a little bit different slogan. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's obviously always fun to see the fans in, in the T-shirts, and we know the staying power of that kind of memory. When you see fans walk in, they still have the We Believe t-shirt, and I think we'll see that with whatever slogan they come up with for the first round of the NBA playoffs. Even Steven 26 wants to know, if you were starting a franchise and needed a point guard, would you choose Russell Westbrook or Steph Curry? That's a great, great question. They're both great point guards. Westbrook, I think, is a little ahead of Steph in his development simply because of all the experience that Oklahoma City has had in postseason and and the number of big games that they've had to play. I'd like to revisit that question in a couple of years to see exactly where the two guards are. They're two totally different players. Westbrook, very athletic, a slasher, will try to beat you off the dribble to get to the goal. He's also very, uh, very strong and physical will try to just bump you out of the way to create some separation. Steph is a, a guy that uses his ball handling, his basketball sense, and his great shooting ability to get you off balance. And, and his dribbling and his control of the dribble at times will freeze the defense and give him just that little edge, that little separation. That's all he needs. And He's really a, a unique player. And he's a, a guy that I think is very hard to guard. And I think it's going to be interesting if, if the Warriors do play Oklahoma City in the first round, see, just to see who wins that kind of a matchup. And of course, you know, with the Warriors, they can mix and match. They can put Clay Thompson on Russell Westbrook, can have Steph guard another player, maybe a Cephalosha, who's not that much of a threat. Uh, on the offensive side. No doubt, though, that Mark Jackson is thrilled to have the Splash Brothers, uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, and to use their incredible three-point shooting to help the Warriors into the postseason. Vixer on the Twitter wants to know, do you want the Lakers in the playoffs or in the lottery? Uh, I don't care. Uh, I, I really don't care. I mean, I have friends who work for both teams. A uh, good friend of David Locke who works for the Utah Jazz. John Ireland's a great guy who's the voice of the Lakers. It really doesn't matter to me very much. I'm more concerned about the Warriors and the Houston Rockets in the battle for six than I am who's going to be in the number eight spot. So in that regard, you know, I'd love to see the Warriors go down to L.A. and win on the back end of the back-to-back on Friday and beat the Lakers. Not necessarily to knock the Lakers out, but to keep the Rockets at bay 
and give the Warriors a matchup at number six as opposed to playing at seven or eight. So, so in that regard, I would love to see the Warriors go down and beat the Lakers on Friday uh, to keep the the Rockets behind Golden State for that six spot. Obviously, the Rockets have the tiebreaker. So if they're tied with Golden State, it's really like the Warriors are a game behind. I know a lot of Warrior fans would love to see the Lakers out of the playoffs. I do know that. And that's always great because I think there, there's always a need to have you know a rivalry. There's always a need to have a team that uh, you can root against, so to speak. I think it makes sports fun. You know, I grew up in New England. I was a Boston Red Sox fan. I rooted against the New York Yankees and, and still do and still do so to this day uh, because that's how you grew up. That's how you you know you learned how to be a fan. So uh, I'm all for that kind of uh, that kind of back and forth. I think it's fun and it's why the uh, the sports world is so much fun to cover for me. And finally, Franny Mac six wants to know game plan for the last four games: rest or play for seeding. I think you play for seeding. I think I think you go ahead and try to get the number six spot. I think if you're if you were San Antonio and you had been banged up in the year and you're down this far in the, in the bracket and you had Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker, uh, then I think Greg Popovich has that luxury of saying, okay, we'll just rest. We don't really care who we play. But right now, this is a team that has not gone through a playoff before. They haven't had the pressure of a first-round series before. In fact, Steph Curry and David Lee are in their first playoff run this year. David Lee has the most starts of any active player not to play in a playoff game. So this is all brand new. So I think the better seating you can get for this particular team, this Warriors team this year, I think that's great. I think I don't think you you rest. I mean, if it comes down to it and uh, it's the final game of the year in Portland and there's a million-to-one shot that you can hang on to number six if Houston is winning somewhere or if they have already won, fine, rest your guys and, and uh, get ready for the postseason. But until that number six position is decided, I think you go ahead and try to get it. My thanks for all your questions tonight on Warriors Vox. It's Warriors V-O-X on the Twitter, or send me an email at T-Roy, T-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. We try to get to as many as we can. Warriors and the Thunder tomorrow night, 7 o'clock with a pregame on KMBR 680. We come back, a special treat, Chris Ballard of SI.com and Sports Illustrated, a Bay Area sports writer, and he'll preview NBA playoffs and talk about his fascination with Steph Curry and that jump shot on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Yes, the Golden State Warriors are back in the postseason. They accomplished that last night by knocking off Minnesota. And Oklahoma City comes to town tomorrow night, 7 o'clock with our pregame show. I can be our 680. I'll be joined by Jim Barnett tomorrow night. It's radio-only coverage locally. A pleasure now to welcome to our show Chris Ballard, a Bay Area sports writer who writes for Sports Illustrated, SI.com, and, of course, has written a number of books about basketball, including The Art of a Beautiful Game, which we talked to him about a couple of years ago. Uh, Chris, always a pleasure, and, and uh, this is a great time uh, to be a basketball fan, even if you throw in the NCAA tournament on the heels of that, and now looking forward to the NBA playoffs. Definitely, and thanks for having me on. Tell me about... Uh, a couple of things. One, I want to go back to start. Uh, one of the big stories this year is the uh, relocation uh, in in the uh, NBA and, and Sacramento with a, a chance to move. And, and and I know you've you've you made a little road trip, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, went up the West Coast 
visiting NBA cities present and past, starting in the, in the Bay Area with the Warriors, up to Sacramento, up to Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver to get a, a sense for it. And originally the idea was going to be was just a sort of a really depressing trip because going into the season, the Warriors were once again uh, not expected by many outside of the team itself to do that well. Uh, the Kings, obviously, in turmoil. Um, Seattle was bereft, and Vancouver, Vancouver just sort of forgotten they ever had a team, it seems. Um, and then, you know, Portland, which was so surprising to see them come back and make a playoff run this year because I think, once again, coming in, no one knew how good they'd be, and they'd had this history of injuries and a curse. Uh, and then as the season went on, uh, the story changed, and it was really fascinating to see the, the hope in each of these places, um, save Sacramento, of course, which is quite sad, I think. You know, I think everyone in the Bay Area feels a certain kinship to uh, to Sacramento. There's not a rivalry there, and I certainly finally remember those Divach Weber teams and and the, the buzz that would come from them. So, as you look at at uh, the storylines as, as it's playing out for for Sacramento, I mean, obviously Kevin Johnson, the mayor of Sacramento, has done a great job, uh, but they've had a little shakeup this week in their ownership group. What, what is the sense you get from talking to people as to what's going to happen with that franchise? You know. It's so impressive to see what, what Johnson does. You know, he rallies again and again and again, but it, it seems to a certain extent like, well, how many times do you make a last-ditch save? Uh, he's finding various of these sort of whales to come in, uh, financial saviors. But it, my impression is that David Stern's pretty set on moving his team, and they've got a great offer in Seattle, and it's it's tough to, tough to get around that, right? Uh, and if you've had a number of years to prove that uh, Sacramento is a a place that's going to maintain a, an NBA team, um, and they haven't been able to fill the arena. And the Maloofs have, you know, consistently underperformed its owners. I would say in the last five years, to put it to put it kindly, uh, you know, I I don't get a good sense for Sacramento, unfortunately. Chris Ballard's our guest from Sports Illustrated here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, talking a little bit about his uh, recent road trip. Obviously, uh, when we, we talk about going up north, Seattle and Vancouver, two of the better stops. Uh, in, on the NBA trail in, in the recent years. But I'm going to bring you back to the Warriors and, and, and your thoughts on, on Golden State. This team has a certain staying power to it that's hard to define. I think at, at times it's their half-court defense that kind of keeps them around. Last night, even working with Tom Tolbert on the air, you know, we went to a timeout, and Tom says, it feels like the club's down 10, but they're only down about 3. And it it just has a certain resiliency to it that has allowed it to to win the games they're supposed to win, and and uh, it's been it's been nice to see. I, I like the core group of this team, and they might be on the start of a of a playoff run, which for this franchise and this fan base would be just fantastic. Oh yeah, just all my Warriors friends in the Bay Area to see the elation that comes with making the playoffs. It's wonderful. It's before. Before you get spoiled as a sports fan, right? You know, it's, uh, it's the Giants winning two years ago, and then it's nice when they won again. But there's a different sense there, and, and watching watching people react to the Warriors this year, and I think identifying with Steph Curry tremendously, uh, it's easy to as a fan, obviously. To me, what's been really fun to watch, and obviously you're seeing this firsthand every game, is <clears throat> Bogut. You know, there's a, a point where was Bogut helping the team or not? I you know I think you could make an argument that coming back from injury and pick and roll defense. And his ability to to move defensively, and his offense was still rusty. But then you watched last night, like fourteen rebounds, right? You know, sort of a and and the Correct, attitude yeah. he brings to the team, 
to see him come back, I think that makes them such a better playoff team than they would have been if at one point, you know, either the injury had come back or people were just sort of throwing the towel on him. But him and Jared Jack, to me, make this uh, a totally different Warrior playoff team than would have been expected with the David Lee, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry uh, part of the team. Yeah, there's a grittiness, a toughness to them, and 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 a uh, and a uh, neither player will allow the team to be bullied. And I think for the Warriors, that's been a problem. When you have a finesse team that likes to shoot the ball, you do need to have some toughness. And I think Andrew Bogut brings that. Plus, he's you know he protects the rim. You know, and 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 you you've watched the NBA. You know how important it is in a playoff situation to have a guy who's going to protect the rim because you know the less easy baskets you give up. You know the better chance you have to win the series. Oh yeah, yeah. If you got you've got a rim protector in Bogut. Uh, you've got a guy in Jack who's not afraid to take those late game shots. And I think you know if there's a if there's a criticism of Curry's game at this point, it's that it's hard for him to create a great fourth quarter shot when they need it. You know, partly size, partly the style of his game. He's a rhythm shooter. You know, um, but he can't. You can't go to him in that situation. Whereas if you spread the floor. Let Jack operate from the top. He's got confidence. He's looking to shoot it, and he's also got such good wing shooters that you really can't you can't uh, pinch in on him there. You know, I did a little piece on Steph Curry a week ago, and I don't know what the updated stats are, but it's fascinating to see that during the Monte Ellis years, Curry was assisted. I believe it was on 48 baskets during the last full season. He and Ellis played together by Monte, 48 for the course of the season, and this year. As of like last week, already Jared Jack assisted him on 85. It just gives you a sense of okay, if you make Curry a spot-up shooter, how deadly he is. And especially if a guy like Jack who knows where to get him the ball, when to get it to him, as opposed to Monte, who would often look for his own offense in the last resort to be okay. I better kick the ball out right now. Exactly, and I think that's a, that's a great great point. And I wanted to save the, the Curry article uh, for the middle of our conversation. What was your uh, sense in talking to Steph about uh, about his abilities, and and you you talked about how you charted uh, his warm ups, and 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 to me, it, uh, it, it's it's almost you almost expect him to make every shot. But what was your sense in 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 talking to Steph about about how he views his shooting ability? Well, it's right after I spoke with him, I was talking with a, a couple of beat writers and Dan Martinez, and you know the immediate visceral impression I had to Steph was this, this overwhelming confidence. And it wasn't arrogant. He didn't have to say anything that, you know, he doesn't have to beat his own chest. Just an amazing confidence in his own shot. Because the way he, the way his mind processes this, so the shooting drill you're talking about, he has to hit 10 out of 13 from uh, spots around the arc before he can finish his game day shoot around. And I was watching him do it. And 10 out of 13... You know, at NBA range, that's tough to do, and to do that at these, you know, these these five spots, he does it in about eight minutes. <clears throat> and he's also talking about after practice, one of the things they do, the Warriors guards will shoot from the NBA arc until they miss two in a row. And he's had a season high with seventy six, which is ridiculous, right? <laughs> that, that's, uh, but all that's just him, all, all this was just this was just practice, right? You know, he doesn't see it as special at this point. He's aware uh, that he's a deadly shooter. But you watch some of the shots he takes in games now. That's just that's it. the level of confidence it requires to dribble down and take an off-balance three, and your teammates don't think it's a bad shot. That tells you what they think of Steph, and the fact that Steph consistently takes that shot and hits it 
shows you what he thinks of it. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. You know, the Warriors are, are the, the rare team where Steph can come down one-on-two, even one-on-three, and pull up for a three-pointer, and nobody even blinks an eye. You know, nobody, nobody like, groans. Nobody, nobody hangs their head. Nobody throws their arms up in the air in terms of exasperation, as you would, might see on a normal-type team. But uh, Steph has that green light, and, and why not? It, it, there's a funny conversation I had a, a couple of years ago when Steph first got the league with uh, Doug Smith, one of the great beat writers up in Toronto. And he was telling me that the joke in Toronto was when Del Curry played there for the Raptors was that the two best shooters uh, in Toronto were, would be up on the practice floor during Raptors games. And that was uh, Steph and Seth. They would go up to the practice gym during the game and they would shoot for like three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, they'd come down and watch the end of the game. And so it, it's, uh, it, it's one thing to be the... Uh, you know, the, the son of an NBA player, Clay Thompson's game is totally different than Michael Thompson's game. But when you're when you see Steph and actually when you see Seth Curry shoot too uh, for Duke, you know, there's a little Dell there in the release. You know, you can see it and and uh, the quickness that both of those guys have in terms of getting getting into the shooting position and getting rid of the ball. It's it's really uh, really impressive. What what are your thoughts on on uh, on Steph uh, Steph and Clay? Uh, playing together in the sense where, you know, I, I heard Barkley's comments at the All-Star break. I didn't agree with him, per se, because I don't think he sees enough of us, uh, if, if any at all, of our games. But uh, what are your thoughts about that combination, not only this year, but moving forward? Yeah, but, but Barkley, he thought they couldn't play together. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah he said that he, he thought that they were both really, you know, that Steph was more of a two-guard than a point guard, and he thought at some point the Warriors would have to make a, a deal because he, he didn't see the two playing together long-term. I don't, I don't agree with that. And yet, I think they're, they give you such deadly outside shooting. Clay's got the height to guard wing players. Um, I, you know, I, I've read criticism of Steph as a point guard, but I really like him as a passer. You know, I think he's so dangerous as a shooter that it opens up passing lanes for him. And he's a he's an unselfish player, even for a guy that, that you know takes a lot of shots. He's an unselfish player. And what you're talking about with those jacking up the threes, if you're at the YMCA and some guy comes down on a three and one and shoots a three, and you freeze the guy out the next run. You, you know, you hate that guy. Oh, yeah, no but question. With, with Steph, it's totally different. You don't. You say, shoot that again, right? No, no question. Yeah, take that shot every day of the week. I mean, you want him to take that shot. Chris Ballard's our guest from SI and SI.com. We're talking hoop here, and we spent a lot of time on Northern California basketball. And give me a couple thoughts on the playoffs. Um, I look at the East, and I'm kind of happy that New York's on this run right now because two weeks ago I thought, well, you know, maybe if Indiana gets Miami into the Eastern Conference Final, we'll have have a great series there. But now the Knicks coming on at this time of the year, and they really opened my eyes to that win in Oklahoma City. You know, the, the East takes on a little bit of a different perspective. What's your, what are your thoughts on the East? Yeah, I like that the Knicks are playing well, just from an entertainment standpoint. But to me, the, the big loss here is if Noah can't play in the playoffs, uh, I, you know, Chicago to me is a team that on any given day could beat, you know, beat Miami. They could beat, certainly beat New York. Uh, they've, you know, they've got bad matchups. Uh, they could create bad matchups for a lot of Teams partly because of Dang and partly because of Noah, uh, but now seeing Noah, and I know it's he's sort of day to day with the plantar fasciitis, but he's not going to be full strength. That's a that's that's a shame because I love his game. I love the way Thibodeau coaches. Um, I, you know, Dang is a great wing defender. Uh, with the Knicks, 
you know, I, I still don't believe in the Knicks. Uh, and Miami's so good. And when you get your your stars go down, and Mike Miller went for I think twenty six seven and five the other night. You know, when you got guys who can do that still coming off the bench, that's awful tough. Uh, with the Celtics, and they had a nice run there, and I, it would have been nice to see that continue. But it's tough to think of them as a real threat to knock off Miami either. Um, but I do think there's Western teams that could beat Miami. So it's always that's you got that waiting at the end. Is there any any credence to to you know, the theory that because the West is tougher, that the team that comes out of the West will be more banged up and, and that will make it harder for them to beat Miami? Depending on the team, right? So if it's San Antonio, yes. If it's Oklahoma City, you know, you got such a young team, I don't necessarily see them getting uh, worn down. Uh, the Lakers, yes, but I don't think the Lakers are going to be coming out of the West, right? <laughs> no. um, Denver, uh, that, that was all about you know, losing Gallo, and it sounds like Lawson might play later this week, so that's good for them. But they're also so dependent on their home court advantage. It's hard to see them, okay, if you get to a position where if you're playing Miami, Miami has home court advantage, uh, that's, that's going to be difficult. And their matchups are difficult as well. But certainly with the Spurs, that's the, you know, once again, it's the Spurs, Ginobili's out, Parker's having trouble. Um, but if they were all healthy, that would have been a lot of fun to watch. Do the Warriors have, uh, what, what, what are the chances of the Warriors getting a first-round upset and moving to the second round. Well, it depends on who they play, right? And, and if they can finish this off and hold that, that sixth seed, or if they drop back. And it's a big week, that Oklahoma City game Thursday. It's a, it's a big game for them. Uh, and finishing out the slate, I'd like to I'd like to see it. Um, I think you have, you know, Bobby brings that to playoff toughness. But, you know, if Denver's injured and don't get doesn't get its mojo back, I think the Warriors could, could pull that off, right? Uh, if they split down... The seventh spot, I think that's a very difficult matchup, whether it's the Spurs or the Thunder, and same for the eight, obviously. Chris Boward's our guest, and, and uh, I, I think the Warriors have a chance, again, depending on, on the, who they play. I think if it's seven or eight, I think you know they have they have a, a, a puncher's chance. I think the, the one, you know, the, the X factor of Oracle, I think, cannot be downplayed because I, I think I could very easily see if the Warriors get hot and, and win a game three at home, then taking a game four, and now, say, if, you're, if you split, and you're two two. You're going back to game five. Now it's a best of three, you know. And it, you know, depending on if one team gets hot or the bounce of a ball or a hot quarter for for one player, and all of a sudden that changes the perspective. But but the other factor I think that that is going to have to be overcome by Golden State, Chris, in, in any playoff series is the fact that that as you mentioned before, Bogut and Jack give them some toughness, some experience in this kind of a, a situation. But uh, there, there is a learning curve in the playoffs, you know, and you see it every year with guys who are getting there for the first time. So I think that that's going to be something. If the Warriors have a first round upset, they have to find a way to overcome uh, that inexperience they have as a group and the inexperience of some of their core players, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, David Lee, who have never played in the playoff situation, a playoff atmosphere before. It's a, it's definitely a learning experience. Yeah, yeah, no question. You don't have that veteran playoff tested guy even that Derek Fisher-esque guy I don't I don't think you can say Richard Jefferson plays that role he's probably the player who has the most experience in those situations uh, but you, you need someone contributing to the team who has that deep playoff experience you never know like you said like what if what if Steph gets really really hot what sure. if play has a half like he had the first half last night those are those are kind of things you can't predict for as an opponent you can't game plan for someone getting that hot from the outside. So that's their strength, but also, of course, it could be their weakness. If they go cold, you're 
rely so much on jump shooters. But if you're looking for an upset anyway, yeah, that's sort of it's a nice position for them to be in. There's no expectations. They can come in, and if you don't have that playoff experience, you're probably playing looser without the expectations than if the Warriors had finished and had a, you know, if they finished in the three spot, they're coming in here. Uh, they'd have the home court advantage, but there'd be totally different uh, sense around the team, right? Exactly. I, I think you said it very well there. Before I let you go, i got to ask you a final question. We talked about your road trip, which was a really cool article in Sports Illustrated recently, and your trip uh, on the Pacific Coast going to NBA cities current and past. But you had, for any uh, any guy that's ever played hoop, probably one of the the coolest uh, maybe daydream that a lot of us have ever had. And you, you did this back in, in 1998, for those who don't know. It's a book called Hoops Nation. Just just describe that. And how many cities did you guys get to uh, on this trip? Yeah, this was right out of college when uh, I didn't mind sleeping in a van and eating, <laughs> eating microwave meals. Uh, but myself and two college teammates, we got a used um, van and drove around the country to 166 cities playing basketball uh, at pickup courts. And the result... Hoops Nation was this, you know, part guide where you, if you're visiting Chicago, you here's 15 places you could play and a little information about each. And it was part travelogue. It was part almost sort of a sociology of pickup basketball. Because I, I, you know, a long time addicts to hoops. You know, I play in rec leagues now and grew up playing. And I, you know, to me, it's fascinating. Um, and I love to look at the types of players you find at these pickup games, the personalities, what it says about you as a person, how you act on the court. Uh, and I love the idea that, like, a CEO could be playing with a busboy. And out on the court, if they have great chemistry, like, all, all the class distinctions evaporate. Um, so, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was right out of college. And that book, you know, I still get people calling me today saying, where's the best place to play in Omaha? And I have to apologize and say, you know, it's been 16 years <laughs> since I played basketball in Omaha, but uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, the, uh, Bruce Hornsby, I, I interviewed him one time because he's a big Hoops fan, and he wrote a song about playing basketball in the park, and he had just one little line. It's, just, it's you know, it's nothing nothing terribly special, but if you've ever played in pickup basketball, it's exactly right. It just goes, how you play is who you are. Walking on the And and that's exactly right. It's just like you know, if you you know, you you get that reputation on a playground for playing a certain way or or doing certain things, then that's your that's who you are in the playground. It doesn't matter if you are a lawyer uh, off the court or if you're a college student or as you say a, a bus boy. It doesn't matter. Uh, your your game your game there your life there is defined on how you play on that court. So it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great line. Chris, I appreciate it. I really enjoy your work, and I uh, loved your, your piece on the road trip and, and on the Steph Curry, uh, SI.com, Sports Illustrated, obviously. Uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, how would they do that? Uh, at SI underscore Chris Allen. You going to be coming out for some of the uh, playoff games? Hopefully, yeah. I, I think I'm headed to Miami to do a story uh, next week, but hopefully get back to the playoff games. Uh, it will be quite rowdy at Oracle, I imagine. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait for it. And I, I thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on.
My thanks to Chris Bauer. Don't forget, join us next Monday with the Warriors' regular season finale. It's Fan Night, a night to honor you, the best fans in the NBA. The first to 10,000 receive a Warriors car flag, courtesy of Kaiser Permanente. Tickets start at just $22. Limited tickets are still available. Go to warriors.com or call one gsw hoop and press option number one. Operators standing by to assist you. A look at the schedule and we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. I don't believe it. I can't believe it. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Let's wrap up the Warriors Weekly Roundtable with a look ahead to the schedule. Four games left in the regular season before the postseason begins. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock the airtime, the Warriors take on Oklahoma City, and that means Kevin Durant, who's neck and neck in the race for the NBA scoring title with Carmelo Anthony. Ties is up, Jameson. Five on the shot clock. Steps to the wing, sends a three up, no good. Offside rebound, perfect. To Durant, to the baseline for the high-rising right-hand throwdown on Garden. Kevin has 38. Warriors and Thunder tomorrow night, 7 o'clock is the airtime on KBR 680. It's brought to you by Cash Creek casino resort the very next night down in los angeles the lakers are struggling to try to get into the postseason trying to get it in finds kobe bryant three in the air got it high ball game there goes that man again. Warriors and Lakers down at Staples. 7 o'clock is the pregame show. KMBR uh, 680. KMBR road game party at Park 77 in San Francisco on the very same day. And again, Warriors and Lakers on Friday night. Then we move on to the final home game of the year. It is fan night as the Warriors take out the San Antonio Spurs and the majesty that is Tim Duncan. Lobs to Duncan. High post. And he'll drive inside. Runner in the lane is good for Tim Duncan from the top of the lane, 14 feet out. 1.4 seconds remaining in the game, and the Spurs take a two-point lead. Warriors and Spurs, 7 o'clock of the pregame show on KMBR 680. The first to 10,000 fans receive a Warriors car flag, courtesy of Kaiser Permanente. And then the regular season wraps up up in Portland, and that is on Wednesday night. 6.30 is the airtime as the Warriors take on the Portland Trailblazers and the man who's going to be NBA Rookie of the Year, that's Damian Lillard. 6.35 in the clock, running fourth period. Lillard for court, now throws to Aldridge. Back to Damian, 21-footer out of the key. Perfect! Lillard with 21. It's his 23rd game this season of getting 20 points or more. Lillard, the latest in a number of great players to come out of the Bay Area and to come out of Oakland. And, of course, after that, we get ready for the postseason with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on April 18th, 8 o'clock, right here on KBR 680, the sports leader. That's right. The Warriors back in the postseason, first time in 16 years and only the second time in 19 seasons as Mark Jackson... Steph Curry, David Lee, Andrew Bogut, and the Warriors have qualified. And now it's a matter in the final four games to see if they can hang on to the number six spot and to see who they will play 
in the first round. I, Tim Roy, thanking all of our guests, to thanking Andrew Bogut, and of course thanking Jim Barnett from the Warriors TV side for coming by and handling that interview. My thanks to Chris Ballard of SportsIllustrated.com. Thanks to head coach Mark Jackson. Our producer is R.C. Davis. Also technical assistance tonight from Michael Leslie. Dave Feldhouse at the controls at KMBR 680. And Ray Woodson taking your calls and comments at 808-KMBR in just a matter of moments. I, Tim Roy, say good night for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Yes, the Golden State Warriors are back in the postseason. And tomorrow night, they take out the Oklahoma City Thunder starting at 7 o'clock here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Again, Ray Woodson is up next, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night from Oracle on the Golden State Warriors Radio Network. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four on three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball. For tickets, go to Warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.